So today we're starting a mini-series, Jonah, and this first week we're, we're going to be looking at some, some pretty fun stuff. So I'm going to just read through um, Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to try and blaze through this and then we'll just get into some, of the, some, of the, some thoughts and some questions. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come before me. But Jonah rose to flee... Um, to Tarsus um, from the presence of the Lord he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarsus so he paid the fare and went on board to go with them away from the presence of the Lord but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so the ship threatened to break up when the sailors then the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them but Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a, a thought that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more... um, Aggressive, He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So I've got kind of a few thoughts that I want to kind of talk about today when we look at this particular passage. The first thing that really jumped out at me, there's so much in there, and I mean, that's only half of the story. Actually, it's not even half of the story. It's about the first third of the story. But what really captured me about it was it said, call out against it. So at the beginning, the call is he's got to go to Nineveh and he's got to call out against it for that evil has come before him. So Jonah's been called, he's been sent to go call something out. And I think what gripped me about that was it's in a dangerous place where it could go badly for him. But from what we know of the story later on and a bit of a spoiler alert, his problem is more than it could go his problem is more not that it could be dangerous for him his problem is that it could go well for the people he's speaking to which is a really strange one so Jonah knows going to Nineveh it's pretty pretty rags a song kind of place it's pretty dodgy it's pretty scary he's got to go say something to them that they are not going to want to hear and his fear isn't really orientated around well they could switch and they could hurt me his thing is like oh man God's just totally going to be good to this people and he doesn't really want that to happen Um, Jonah wants to be the one who pulls the trigger he wants to be the one calling the shots 
the question for you the question for me is are we calling the shots and what shots are we calling God calls us to follow him not us lead the way informing God what he should do and where he should go what people we deem worthy or right it's about the people that God sends us to but Jonah will prefer a holiday in Spain so God's sending him to Nineveh but Jonah wants to go to Tarsus Jonah wants to go to Spain he wants to live it up at Costa del Sol or whatever kind of place maybe maybe he fancies Ibiza who knows he could be the Isle of Fernandos the 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 Oh, that, that, that could be a great, interesting translation of the Bible, the ITV Bible. Yeah. Jonah, you're going to Fernando. We've got a whale sightseeing ride for you along the way. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of his thing. What's interesting about it is he wants his holiday in Spain. Um, Jonah doesn't want this mission. He doesn't, he doesn't want where God's calling him to. He doesn't want where God is sending him. He doesn't want anything to do with it. I don't want that one, I don't want that one. It's pretty much what it is. It's, it's, it's the gospel according to Little Britain. He's like, yeah, no, 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 don't want that one. No thanks, no thanks. And then while God walks away, um, he gets out of his wheelchair and runs off to Tarsus. And that's pretty much what Jonah is, is kind of doing in this, in this particular story. No, God, I feel it should look like this. I feel there is a better plan. I feel we should be doing X, Y, and Z. If you feel there is a better plan, you better be prepared to get battered battered by the storm that's what happens with Jonah Jonah has this idea of actually God um, yeah people in Nineveh no how about no great message love it but mm, let's go Tarsus I like the kind of people there better maybe he hasn't a prejudice towards a particular group or a particular city or a particular culture doesn't want anything to do with it but actually that's not really what God's about that is in no way what God is about and actually, I think the key thing here is do not despise the call of God. Do not despise the, call, despise the call of God. Jonah clearly doesn't rate not only the call of God, but actually I think there's some deeper things at play here. Uh, I remember hearing a guy called Judd Wilhite uh, preach a sermon at the Seafood Conference. I think I've said this quote and used it a few times now, but it's probably one of the most life-changing quotes I've ever heard because I feel often I kind of get a message, but never really like a quote ever really like hits me hard in the face. But this one was just so good. He was talking about Hosea, but he said, love the call you have, not the call you wish you had. And I think it's so easy in life not to embrace, even if you're going with the flow and kind of doing it and putting work into it, not to actually love the call that you've been given, not to love the life you've been given, not to love the opportunity you've been given. And I think in our culture, that happens more now than ever. You could be doing something and just looking at someone else doing something similar to what you're doing and love their call more than your call. So you could be in PR and you could have your little role that you're doing, but it's who you are, it's what you're meant to be doing, but you're loving because that person is just totally killing it. They're like an OG in the game and you're just getting started out. You love their call, not yours. You could be doing music and you can see someone doing so much more than you and everything they have just seems to be falling on a plate whereas you're having to work really hard at it. And actually, you've got to love the call you have, not the call you wish you had. Because actually, if you're ever going to have something that you love and that you're proud of, if you don't love it in the stages where it's not so beautiful and it's not so great and it's not such a big shining light of excellence, but it's just small and gritty and dirty, if you're not going to love that, 
you're never going to get to the place where you're going to have the thing you've already got your eye on. So actually, it is so, so key not to love someone else's call, not to love someone else's vocation, not to love someone else's gifting, not to love something someone else has got going on with their family, their home, their house, all their stuff, but to love and embrace what you have. We can spend our whole lives loving what we don't have instead of loving what we do have. And Jonah is that guy. Jonah is loving what isn't his. He's loving what's not his call. He's loving what's not his mission. But actually, there's a deeper, more worrying statement for me, which I'd never really reflected on before, which is actually right at the beginning of the first chapter. It says that he, he gets on, he pays the fare, he boards the boat, and he's going that way. But it tells you about the geographical location that he's going to. But actually, what's interesting is though he's going to, towards Spain and he's going to a fantastic place, it says, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't believe for one second the presence of the Lord is not in Spain. I don't believe that for one second. Like, like I believe God is everywhere. I believe he's around us. I believe sometimes we're alive to it. We're not alive to it. I believe the thing with Jonah here is actually we think we are choosing to go where we want we feel it's just a choice over the task at hand. But the choice isn't actually about the task. It's not task orientated. It's not even mission orientated. It's not even strategy orientated. What is happening here is a question of intimacy. It's it's an intimacy question. It's like when you fall out with someone, like a really close friend that you fall out with and you do everything you can to avoid them. And so you don't go to that coffee shop. You know they'll be there. It's a Thursday, it's four o'clock. This is where they will be. You change your routine. You're no longer there to bump into them. Oh, I know that they're going to pick their kids up at this time. I'm going to maybe send a sibling or someone else to do that. Or, oh, they're going to be here. They're going to be there. I'm going to stay away from them. Well, God wants to go to Nineveh, so I'm going to go to Spain. And he kind of does this thing where he distances himself from him, which is kind of, I found that really kind of interesting that actually it's not just the geographical direction that he's rebelling against, that the way the scriptures present it isn't so much about the location and moving away, but the key focus is away from the presence of God, away from who God is. It's about hiding in the bush or stepping out in the cool of the evening, if we think of Adam and Eve. Um, it's about intimacy. It's about out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Or it's hiding, hiding in the shade. It, it's, it's, it's sneaking away. But it's an intimacy. It's an intimacy issue. When Jonah then isn't busy traveling the wrong way, he's sleeping. He's not even awake to what's going on. And the thing about it is this as well, is that he's, he's going the wrong way he's moving away from the plan of God and what God wants him to do but he's so chilled about this and so comfortable with it he's actually able to go to the lower decks of a boat and fall asleep like sometimes you know when a big key relationship in your life is breaking and falling apart man that's when it's hard to sleep isn't it you know when you've had those big breakups you're not like oh great cheese they're gone sweet bang kush head hits the pillow you're out you're thinking about it constantly you're thinking about it. it's on your mind it's playing and you know things aren't right you want to get things fixed um, which is why the, always the good relationship advice is to not go to sleep on, on that anger but to try and flesh it out and when we have those moments and we go to sleep we can lie awake at night worrying and stressing about relationships well Jonah not only is he not stressing about this he's not fretting about this he's falling asleep 
in a boat, which is hard, but he's asleep in a boat in a storm where they're worried the boat is going to fall apart. And he's so at peace with this whole situation. It is insane. He's, he's moving away from his relationship with God. And I think so often we cannot like something about what God is calling us to do, calling us to be, or calling us to call out, or who we've got to call out, who we've got to speak to, who we've got to um, address, who we've got to spend that time with, that we just, we don't, we're not even awake to it. Maybe our issue isn't so much just going the wrong way. Maybe for some of us, the issue that God's going to challenge us on this morning is that we're asleep, that we're not even active in the mission, and it's time to, to wake the heck up. What I find also interesting is the fact that they cast lots um, to find out who the problem is. They don't know what's going on, and they're like, we've got to find out whose problem this is, man. This is absolutely crazy. This is insane. We could all die, and they cast lots. It's almost like they're, they're equivalent of like a Sindar. They're like going around, walking around people like, oh, no, no, this guy's clean. You're, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. They get to Jonah. It's like, yeah it's him and so they realize it's this guy what i find fascinating about the people on this boat is you can actually see it would be none of those people because they are they know that he needs to go and they are so intent on saving his life that they row as hard as they can and then they realize they can't do this they've lost their businesses throwing all their cargo into the sea just to keep this guy this guy who in their eyes would look like a real waste man because it's his his problem that all this is happening um we need to not get to a place where, whose fault is it anyway, uh, where we can, play sin, we can play Sindar all day long, but don't wait for the Sindar to catch you out. Jump into God's judgment. Because the beautiful thing about this story is when they see Jonah and they see him and they find out he's the one and then he says, oh, this is what happens. He explains things to them and says, you're going to have to throw me in the sea and then this will all be cool. They throw him in, the water and the storm just stops and it says that everyone on the, on the boat made vows to God. I've said this before, but as Christians, so often we want to present to everyone, we've got it all together, we've got this really good, we want to present all these good things to people, where it's actually what leads people to faith in God is actually, oh man, this happened in my life, and this was complete madness, and, and this is what God did with it. Or even, this is my life right now, I feel like I'm completely drowning, but I'm trusting God, and I have no idea how, this, how we're going to get through this right now. And then you're through it, and God's done it, and then they're like, wow, that's amazing. I want to know this God. I want to be involved. So while he's sailing off into the sunset on his own, about to get swallowed by a whale or large fish, they're on the boat making vows to whoever his God is, going like, we've got to get to know this guy because this, this is pretty awesome. And you know what's really funny about this story and the real irony is we find out later on, as I've already done with the spoiler alert, that Jonah's problem is that he knew God was going to judge them and call them out, but going to show mercy on them. And here... God not only has judged him, called him out, but has shown mercy on Jonah. And Jonah receives that mercy, but we know that later on, he doesn't really want to reciprocate it. He doesn't really want to pass it on. He does it, but he does it begrudgingly. But actually, we need to be people that receive God's mercy and want to be throwing that out towards others. Like, yeah, people are going to do our nothing, but we've got to just extend that um, to them. Jump into God's judgment because it will lead many people into a relationship with Jesus. Even when I've done wrong in my life, God has used it to bring people to him. If you're going to go the wrong way or are fast asleep, it's time to wake up and run to him. Facing things head on is beautiful. Those who get to witness it will see the gospel and come to faith. It is 
that simple. What I really want to focus a major on, though, as, as, as I kind of tie all those kind of different thoughts together, is actually on the intimacy one. I find that fascinating. So Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to share the message to this people group because he wants to see them suffer and he wants them to receive judgment. He wants a Sodom and Gomorrah. He wants a place to get nuked by God. That's what he's hoping for. That's what he wants to be a part of. And that's what he wants his legacy to be. That's what he wants people to remember. He is going the wrong way geographically, but actually more than that, he is moving away from God's presence. He's moving away from God's presence. But he's going still to go to Tarsus and the picture we get is he's still going to bring God's message to a people. And I find that fascinating that, that Jonah can just park the call of God to one side and just commit to something and keep pushing towards something that God isn't even calling him to do, but kind of for God. And then the question that started coming to me was like, man, how many lunches, how many seminars, how many conferences, how many catch-ups, how many ministers have I chilled out with that are just straight up just doing a Jonah and just going on about kind of church stuff and diving more into ministry than ever before just because everyone else can see they even look like they're going the right way. That's mad. They actually look like they're going the right way. And I started to think actually the big part of the story of Jonah isn't even so much that he's physically going the wrong way. That is a huge part in the story. But it's that he's intentionally moving away from God's presence. And that started to make me ask questions about myself. Am I in a similar boat to Jonah? Am I kind of parking things? And why is it that Jonah is going the wrong way? And then it dawned on me that Jonah has this major issue with God, spoiler alert for the next part of this this series. He has major issue with the fact with God, when God spares Nineveh, blesses them, these dirty, crazy, horrible, malicious, aggressive, vile people, he spares them. And then Jonah's like, I knew you'd do that. This is why I didn't want to come here. I knew you would do that. I knew it. I just knew you would do that. And this is why I didn't want to come here. And then you realize, actually, the whole story of Jonah, it's not about going the wrong way. It's not about Spain, Costa del Sol versus Nineveh. It's about Jonah didn't like a part of who God is. He didn't like a characteristic of God. And he tried to distance himself from it. And then it started to ask questions of myself. And hopefully it may ask some questions of you this morning as well. Right. Am I a bit like Jonah? Are there certain parts of God that I don't like? And actually, because of those things, I'm distancing myself from really kind of speaking about him, sharing faith with people, living the called life that he's called me to. Because deep down inside, if I'm really honest... There's a few things about him I'm a little bit ashamed of. There's a few things about him that I would like to keep some some distance between. And as I started to ponder that question sitting in the park yesterday, I started to think, you know what? There probably is a few things where I can see how I, I distance myself from him and yet still want to do stuff for him just the same way Jonah did. 
because I'm not sure I'm too comfortable with certain attributes of who God is revealing himself to be. And so then that asks questions. Do I believe God should change this morning for any of us? No. Do I believe our understanding of who he is could be wrong and may need to change? Yes. And do I believe, in some cases, I need to change, you need to change, we need to change? Yes. I think those are two huge things. And I think, actually, if we're honest, we could be like Jonah and think of people within our community, within our society, around us, who actually, like Nineveh, we wouldn't want to share faith with. Because we think we know how the conversation's going to go. And if it does go the right way, we're actually not sure we'd like them to be blessed. It's a crazy thought. It's really easy to look at Jonah's story and go, yeah, Jonah, you're a real... You're a real something, you know. You don't want to see these people blessed. You want to see them murked. You're a real piece of work. But actually, it doesn't take long to realize I'm a real piece of work. And there are some people I do not want to see blessed. And there are some people I don't want to preach to and bring the good news to. Because actually, maybe, like Jonah, I would be disappointed if God blesses them. And that's a scary thought. That's a really scary thought. But... We're not scared to face up to scary thoughts here at City Hill. I'm going to pray for us this morning. And I just want to encourage you to pray and have your own conversation with God. Because actually, the biggest part of this story is that Jonah wants to move away from God's presence. And the only way these kind of things get rectified without getting swallowed by a whale and battered in a storm is moving towards God instead of away from Him. So we're going to take a moment just to move towards God. Father, your word says in the book of James that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. Jonah tried to walk away from you and um, you chased him. And I don't think any of us want to encounter the whale of a time that Jonah had. Father, would you search us? Would you challenge us? Would you bring to our attention maybe the people groups, the type of people or the individuals around us that we don't want to share faith with because actually we're not too sure we want to see them blessed? That sounds horrific and that sounds really bad when you say it out loud, but it's true. And we'd rather come out into your marvelous light than stand in darkness holding these opinions of particular people groups, people types, people classes, ethnicities, backgrounds, countries, and all different types of people. Father, would you draw us near to you today? Would you help us to step towards your judgment today to receive your mercy, the mercy you showed Jonah and the mercy you showed Nineveh? And would you help us to be agents of change in this world just as Jonah was? The one thing, Father, I absolutely love is I love the fact that actually if Jonah had been obedient, there's a group of people on a boat that might not have encountered your grace in the way that they did. And that, Father, may we be comforted that in the mistakes that we make and the tragedies, no excusing them, but may they be used to bring you glory and to bring people to you. And may we not shy away from talking about those things openly that others may find peace and rest in you. But Father, today we ask that we would start to take steps towards you, not away from you, that we would be challenged by your message of transformation and reconciliation, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.